You know, we can feel God moving as much as we feel anything else if we recognize it. And that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? Recognizing when God is moving. You see, the Bible says, My sheep know my voice. He is our great shepherd, and we are his, the sheep of his pasture, the Bible says. And his word says that my sheep know my voice. And we've talked about this uh, many times before, but for those maybe who haven't heard it, back in olden times when that scripture was written, um, they used to have what's called a sheep gate, and it was outside of the city walls, and they would put all of the sheep in this gate all together, all the different shepherds, hundreds of them, would put all their sheep together as they would come inside and uh, inside of the city walls and do whatever that they were going to do in the city. And so all the sheep were there together in one lump pile, if you will, in this big corral within this big fence, if you will. And then when the shepherds were done with their duties in the city, they would come back out to that sheep pen and they would begin to call their sheep by name. Can you imagine if, about, I mean, what if they had 50 sheep? And that was very common. Calling them all by name. And among all those sheep, maybe there was a thousand sheep. Let's just think about that. Just a, a whole bunch of sheep all together and they're all making noise. And what kind of noises do sheep make? Let me hear you. Thank you very much. I knew you'd be there for me. <laughs> so you hear all this bleeding, bleating, not bleeding. You hear all of this bleating outside of the city in this sheep pen, and the shepherds would come, and they would just begin to call. Sue, Chrissy, Paul, DJ, Josh. And they would begin to call their sheep, and their sheep would hear the voice of the shepherd. And they would make their way to the sheep gate where the shepherd would let them out. And the Bible says that those sheep will not come to another shepherd. Why? Because they don't recognize his voice. They don't recognize that shepherd's voice. So, friends, it's possible and it's necessary and it's imperative that we, as God's sheep, our great shepherd, that we recognize God's voice from the other voices that are screaming for our attention. What other voices scream for our attention? Well, how about our bills? Our bills in a sense, if they had a voice, they'd be screaming for our attention. And even though they don't have a voice, they still scream for our attention. They want it immediately, right? TV screams for your attention. And it tells you all day, 24-7, what it is that you need to buy. You need to buy this kind of vehicle, and this is why. This is the kind of cleaner 
that you need to buy, and you need to buy it when? Now. And over and over, our TVs and, and, and all these influences. How about our phones? Now, I know that you guys aren't like that. But my phone screams literally for my attention. And most often, I give it to it. <laughs> all right? There are many things, family, all these things that are seemingly important, and, and they are, but do we recognize God's voice? God's voice doesn't scream. It is the gentle whisper <laughs> of our Lord and our Savior. Do you recognize it? Do you recognize it when God speaks to you? Because I want to tell you the truth. God wants to speak to you, and he speaks to you often, though you may not recognize it. God speaks to his people often. What kind of a God would he be? What kind of a relationship would there be with God if there was no communication, if he was not speaking to us and we were not able to speak to him? I wonder. That wouldn't be any relationship at all. Relationship is a two-way communication, isn't it? What would our relationships be with our husbands or wives or parents or whatever? What would those relationships be like? And sometimes you feel this way, <clears throat> ladies. One-way conversation. One-way conversation where one person doing all the talking, the other person is going in here, one ear and out the other. I know you guys don't do that either. <laughs> but God isn't like that. God isn't like that. He will not force his way into our lives. He gently beckons us. He gently calls to us. He gently knocks on the door of our heart. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door to me, I will come in. And we talked about this recently. And we will sit down together and we will have a meal. We're going to eat together. We're going to sit down and we're going to rest together. We're going to talk together. The Bible says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? And I will give you rest. Are you weary today? Is there something that's weighing heavily on your heart, on your shoulders today? Those things come in so many different shapes and sizes. And sometimes we, we feel that weight and, and we don't know how to react to those things. And so what happens is our minds begin to stress and we try to figure out all of the problems all by ourselves without allowing God in. 
Friends, God wants to be involved in our lives more than you will ever know. He loves you that much. Parents, how many of you have had children that do things differently than the way that you would like them to do? All right? Now, isn't it a parental desire to help your kids to prevent them from pain, to prevent them from trouble and destruction? Isn't that your parental desire? You want the absolute best for your children. How much more so? How much more so with God, our Heavenly Father, who is perfect? He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He wants the very, very best for you. And yet, we keep him at a distance. Oftentimes. Oftentimes we're afraid. We don't know how to come to God. We, we don't know what that looks like sometimes if we're a new Christian or, or we're not a Christian at all. We don't know how to come to God. I'll tell you what, even though sometimes there are Christians, sometimes we still don't get the understanding that we can come, as the Bible says in Hebrews, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. God is saying to us, you don't need to come sheepish to me anymore. I am your father. You are my boys. <laughs> You're my girls. I love you. There's nothing more important to me in this whole world than you. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that scripture in Hebrews, come, let us come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to what? Help us in our time of need. Oh, praise the Lord. God welcomes us. He doesn't say, well, listen, I'll receive you, but you got to you got to go through these 12 steps first. And you better dress up and you better wear a tie and fix your hair. And oh, by the way, you better stop smoking and drinking and running around. Then I'll receive you. No, he does not say that. That is not what the Bible says. That is not the example that God has shown us in his word. No, in Romans it says that God demonstrates his love for us. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were what? Still sinners. All oh, friends. Those, those words are music to my ears. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That in itself shows us the attitude that the church ought to have towards those who are not believers and that God has toward us. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. He died for us while we were still dirty and smelling like the world and stinky 
yet God says, come to me. I love you. I love you. Come to me the way that you are. There's nothing hindering you from coming to me. I welcome you. I call you. Come to me. But don't stay that way. Let me change you. Let me make you. Let me mold you as clay as we talked about a few weeks ago. Let me mold you as a piece, a lump of clay. Let me mold you into something that's beautiful and useful and has a purpose. Something that holds something of value. I want to pour my spirit into you. God wants to be involved in your life, and he won't force his way in. He will only be that what you allow him to be. Do you understand? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's not kicking down the door. He's knocking gently. On what door? The door, friends, to our very hearts. God is knocking and asking you, Gently, if you will open the door to him. God, why does God want to come in to our lives? It seems like each question asks another question, doesn't it? The thing that's so good is there are answers for all of them. God wants to come into our lives because he wants to bless us. He wants to give us Success. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. All right? So there's a difference there between just saying something and declaring something. A declaration is something that is pronounced with some power behind it. And so God says to you, his boys and his girls, he says, <laughs> I have great things in store for you. I have great things in store for you. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Sometimes we feel, if we don't know God, sometimes we feel like he wants to harm us and that all he's waiting to do is punish us and, and we're like a little bug and as soon as we make a mistake, God is poised and he's ready. Come on, just make one, one mistake. Ah, gotcha! That is not God. That is not the demonstration that we see in the word of God. No. Christ loved us so much that he... He gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. You probably learned this as a, as a young child. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, friends, our bodies will die and they will return to the earth from where we came. Okay, But our souls, our spirits will live on to be with God in heaven or with Satan in hell. That's as clear as we can make it, friends. 
Well, why would God send anybody to hell? If he's such a loving God, why is there even hell to begin? Why would he send anybody to hell? Friends, listen to me. God doesn't ever send anyone to hell. Never. But because of our constant rejection of him all of our lives, we reject the only salvation there is in this universe, Jesus Christ. When we continually reject Christ, we send ourselves to hell. Does that make sense to you? If we're floating, careening down a river that is filled with whitewater rapids, and we're drowning, and somebody says, hey, I got a life vest here, I'm going to throw it to you. And we say, nope, I got it, I'm good, thanks. And we just keep careening down this river of death. Somebody else says, hey, I got, I got one, a, one of those round life rings. I'm going to throw that to you. No, no, I don't need that. I'm going to do it myself. I got it all together. Thank you very much, gurgle, gurgle. And so each time we reject the salvation that would get us to safety, that would save us. In the same way, we reject Christ the Lord and what he did on the cross, and we say, no, thank you, I got it. I got it myself. And so we reject the only salvation that there is. We send ourselves to hell, friends. That's hard to hear. I don't even like saying it. I don't like saying it. And let me show you the heart of God. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. (laughs) God is not willing that any one of you here today should perish. And what that means, it doesn't mean just die, because we all die, right? So it doesn't mean that God's not willing for you. He doesn't want you to die. That's the way it is, okay? But he's saying, perish is different. Perish is like forever. If we perish, we are without God. We are without salvation for all of eternity. Now, our lives seem so long to us, but in the expanse of eternity, it's this much. Don't live your life only thinking of what is happening now. Think of what is going to happen after you die. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And over and over and over in your life, you will go through things and you will either receive or reject God's help and God's entering into your life. That is our choice to make. God has provided the way of salvation through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross, the only way in which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, Scripture has the answer. 
Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Jesus is that narrow, <laughs> that narrow gate, that narrow path. Do we reject him? Do we tell him, no, I don't need you? Are, are we putting him off? Are we turning away from him? Or are we receiving him? Well, how do, Pastor, how do I do that? I don't, what does that look like? How do I receive him? How do I say, ah, okay, I, how do I do that? What's that look like? Friends, it is just so very simple. There's no 12-step program to it. There's no certificate that you're going to get that says you have filed this form, this application with the state of New York. You are now registered to be a Christian. No. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Come to me. All we have to do, friends, is respond. When God speaks through his word or through the prophets, he expects a response from his people. What is your response? Will you receive him or reject him? And I've used this analogy so many times, but Rush used to sing a song. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. If you choose not to decide, maybe you say, I, I'm not going to decide either way. I'm not going to receive him. I'm not going to reject him. I'm just going to remain neutral. There is no neutral. There is no, no, no neutral. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Do you understand? You still have made a choice. How then do we come, how then to, do we receive Christ and say, okay, listen, I've, I've done this. And that's just it, friends. You just talk to God like you're talking to a friend. Only with respect. <laughs> okay? And so all we do is we admit our guilt before God. We admit I've screwed up. I've disobeyed you. I've done wrong. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And two, I receive what you did on the cross, Jesus. Shedding of your blood as payment for my sin. And three, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died for me and that you rose again. Those three things. You're admitting your guilt. You're confessing your sin. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. You see, God already knows our past. He knows our sin. We're not hiding anything from him. But if we ask him to forgive our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, wash us clean with his blood. 
Amen? How then do I do this? Would you stand with me today? There's got to be something that we do in response to what God did for us that we know that we are saved, that we are turning away from the life that we used to live. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus shed that blood. He was the supreme sacrifice. He was the one that gave his life as a ransom for many. For you. We must receive what he did and vocalize that. The Bible says, to all that received him, to those who believed, he gave them the right to become children of God. You see, friends, there is a belief out there that says, when we die, we automatically go to heaven. That is a lie from Satan himself. Do you know why? Because if everybody goes to heaven when they die, then Jesus died for nothing. Jesus died for you and for me and for all who will come and receive him. To those who received him, to them who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Friends, God gives us the right to become his children if, if we receive him and believe him. Are you willing to take that step today? Are you willing to say to God, I receive you, I believe you, take me, receive me. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, he will not turn away. He even says in the Bible, I will will in no wise turn away anyone that comes to me. Nobody. I don't care what your past has been. I don't care what kind of life you lived. I care where you're going. And I'm going to go there with you if you will allow me to do that. That's your Father's heart towards you today. As we sing this song, muster up your courage. Muster up your bravery and take a few steps forward and come forward to this altar and make those confessions. Make those professions of faith call on God and I promise you we're going to be there with you you won't be doing that alone we'll be right there with you can we have our prayer team come forward as we sing this song don't wait friends we're not guaranteed another day we're not guaranteed we're going to make it out of this parking lot we don't know when our time is going to come and if our time comes and we have not received Jesus friends we will not be with him for eternity. Does that make sense? If we don't receive Jesus by the time we die, we go to hell. Can I make it any clearer than that? My intention is not to scare you. My intention is to show you 
the love of Christ. My intention is to show you what has been done on your behalf. And there's so much love for you. Come, muster up your bravery and come as we sing. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Oh, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Oh, Jesus is calling. Come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Don't waste another minute. Just come. What are you holding back for? Why? What is it going to gain you? What is it going to earn you? Nothing. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Everything has been provided for you all that we need to do is to receive it. Receive it today. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Oh, Jesus is calling. Oh, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes new life is born. Jesus is calling. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms, they're open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, let's just pray together. Wherever you are, whether you're at home listening to a CD right now, or you're here in the service, or you're at the altar, or maybe you're serving somewhere in this church. Let's pray this prayer together. This is just a basic prayer of salvation, a prayer that you're recognizing your own need for a Savior, really. Let's pray together. And you can just repeat after me. Dear Lord, Dear Lord I know that I'm a sinner. 
a sinner. I know that I have disobeyed you. I know that I have disobeyed you. I'm asking you today. I'm asking you today. To forgive me of my sins. To forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all my dirtiness. Cleanse me from all my dirtiness. This day forward. This day forward. I receive you. I receive you. As my Lord and my Savior. As my Lord and my Savior. Save me from myself. Save me from my sins. Save me from my sin. Save me from my sins. Help me to live my life. Help me to live my life. In obedience to you. In obedience to you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God. The Messiah. The Messiah. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you died on a cross. And you rose again on the third day. You rose again on the third day. Make me your son. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Friends, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just come up and see me for a few moments before you leave today?